on. There we go. Everyone can hear me. Hey, it's great to be with you. It's been a little while since I've driven up to Thief River Falls, which is, I, I split the trip in half. I stopped at Alexandria last night since we're doing camp these uh, this month. Uh, it was easy to be able to stop there and use my cabin and stay overnight and come up today. So, you know, split up the six hours and we're all good. Y'all want to come down to Rochester sometime? It's wonderful. Nice place. Nice place to visit. And hopefully you don't have to come to use the, the clinic. But if, if you do, it's a really nice place to go, I'll have to admit. Really nice place to go if you really need it. So uh, a lot of my friends from up here actually do come down there once in a while. So I, or all over the state or the nation show up there and um, try to let me know when they're going to be there so that we can at least visit them and hang out with them for a little bit, no matter what they're going through uh, at the clinic. A lot of times it's really good news that they found out something that was wrong with them and were able to fix it, and sometimes it's not really good news. But we really, really enjoy seeing people who come through Rochester with us, and it's good to have them there. That was totally sidelined. Sorry about that. Hey, you just saw a little bit of a testimony of two kids, teenagers. They're actually, they just graduated this past month, those two girls. That was filmed in April because it all just happened very fresh uh you saw maddie the girl with the dark well they both had dark hair the second girl that was speaking she was part of of the other girl's prayer list and that she just really wanted to see her friends come to christ and all she had was a youth pastor or a pastor who just simply challenged her to write down five names of five friends that she wanted to come to know christ and maddie happened to be on top of the list now it took three years even three years before she realized it, but God moved in the life of a person who was existing, probably even went to whatever church she went to, but not really, just didn't really know that God was real and that God wasn't a part of her life, just like she said. And then because someone prayed and someone invited her and someone brought her to church, she came to know Jesus in a real and personal way for herself. That made the change in that person's life. And that's what Youth Alive is all about. Um, If we'll flip that side up, I have to turn around to see them so I can tell you what. Oh, I should introduce you. That's my wife, Kim. Uh, we've been married for 37 years. We're going to come up on 38 pretty quick. Uh, been with Youth Alive for 23 years. That's why this church has been longtime supporters since almost the beginning of my time. With that, I have three married sons now, Tyler and his wife, Brittany. They have three boys. They're my three grandsons. Cameron and Serena are going. my middle son. He's a youth. Well, I should tell you what they do. Tyler's a teacher at Pine Island High School, shop teacher. Uh, Cameron is a youth pastor at the church in Casson, which is by Rochester. Serena and Cameron are going to get married here in just a couple of weeks, actually. So uh, we're kind of excited about that. And Christian and Katie, he's my uh, youngest tag along, but he's an engineer for Hearth and Home, I believe is what the company is called. Uh, to do things for them. And he and Katie have been married for just a year and a half. So they're actually living with us because they're trying to build a house at the same time. So uh, what can I say? They've got to get it done. But it's been really fun. Youth Alive has been a really great thing for me because it fits all the personality things I have, the giftedness that I have. I don't mind sitting in a truck for six hours, driving to wherever or to Thief River Falls, or to Roseau, or to Halleck, or uh, Two Harbors, or Duluth, or Grand Rapids, or International Falls, or just across the state to Worthington, or even down to my... You, you realize from Rochester, it's still two hours to the corner of Minnesota? That It's, it's crazy how big our state is. So uh, let's go to the next one. Here's what our mission really is. We, our mission is to make Jesus known to every student at every campus in every community. We want to go everywhere in the state of Minnesota. And we've been to a lot of places. We've been to uh, a little over 600 different schools in the state of Minnesota with a school assembly program. Um, We're trying to keep track of how many campus missionaries we have. Students, just like you saw in the video, that we're training and equipping. Let's go to the next slide. This is one of the things I love. When we train, equip, or even challenge a student who steps out on their own, this young man heard the story of another soccer player who was a captain for his soccer team, grabbed the other captains. They started praying uh, after their games in the center of the soccer field. He said, I can do that with my team. 
He was challenged when they just went into the state tournament pre-COVID. So this is 2019. And this is the last game before they went in the Dome. Uh, He said, there were times that we had just a handful of players with us. And then sometimes it was both teams. And this is after. So that means that one of those teams lost. It was the team on the left, I think. (laughs) Sorry. But they all got together with coaches and they even invited the referees to come in. And that was one kid saying, I'm going to live for Christ. I'm going to take a challenge and I'm going to see how many people I can at least influence for a few moments while I'm in school. That's students. So equipping and training students. Youth pastors, uh, it's really fun. That All youth pastors and youth leaders are in that room. Uh, it's just one of the things that we do to equip and train. I have a person on staff who does uh, one-on-one mentoring and training with, with youth pastors to help them understand what they can do to reach outside the four walls of the church into the community and into their school to make a difference. Because we know it takes adult leadership as well as students to make this happen. Let's go to the next slide. Oh, I love this. This is when the whole community gets together. And honestly, I'm praying for even today and tomorrow for for decisions to be made in the Thief River Falls area that we could bring a school assembly program and do an outreach. This just happens to be Roseau. Again, pre-COVID, just before COVID. We had not been in that school for eight years because of the administration that wouldn't allow us to come back. Not because we did anything wrong. They just didn't want anything that was hooked up with the church. In this case, every... Sorry, Let's, can we go backwards? If we can, that'd be great. Sorry, Liam, I, I, I pointed too early. Every church in that community, the Catholic church, all the Lutheran churches, every evangelical church, uh, they, at that time they didn't they have a Pentecostal church, they're just starting into Pentecostal church right now, all came together, not just for the school assembly program, but to, this is the evening program, and that's the response. Now, it shows you, oh, I think there's about 25 kids there right now, but over 100 kids responded as soon as we said, hey, whatever church you belong to, if you want to know Christ and you want to follow Him, go to those places around the gymnasium, and over 100 kids responded. And the, the superintendent talked to me personally that night. He says, you have an open door to our school whenever. This is absolutely fantastic. It's what our school needs. Great school. Our, our day programs are not religious. They're not gospel-oriented. The evenings are. But during the day, we have a message of hope and motivation for every student that's in the school. Every student. Not every student's going to come to Christ that night. We know that. But it doesn't mean that we can't give hope to a kid who hasn't found Jesus yet so he can live for another day or she can live for another day or another week or another year until they find Jesus Christ. We're playing the long game, aren't we? The long game says we're going to keep going after people until they come to know Jesus. And we need to give them all the hope we can until they come to know Him. Because once they know Him, they've got it. They've got it. They know where their eternity is going to be. And it's amazing what happens when a student like Maddie finds Jesus Christ and finds the hope that's there that she's never known all of her life. And then she looks at her family and says, Hey, my parents... My brothers, my sisters, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, they need to come to know Jesus just like I have. And it spreads. It's absolutely amazing. Let's go to that next one. Prayer Zone Partners, this is a great way. Everybody in this room can be involved with Youth Alive. Absolutely. Why do I say that? Because all of us can pray. So if you can't even move and you have to have Project Mobility come by to pick you up, you can still pray. If you travel all over the United States and you're barely home, you can still pray. If you're someone who's a parent, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, or you're a bachelor, what would we, what's, the, what's the opposite of a bachelor? Do we have a name for that? Okay, we, we're not going to go there because then I'll mess that up. But if, you've, if you're a bachelor, you've never been married, you can still pray. And that's the whole point here. I love this. This was Wheaton. Uh, I do a thing every August. We take a week and we pray for every public high school in the state of Minnesota by riding by on motorcycles, stopping and praying for that school. And these are just some folks, retired folks, who said, We're gonna, we want to meet you there and we'll pray for the Wheaton High School. Amazing. We like to do it every year. So Thief River Falls has been prayed for, uh, let me see, 13 times on that tour because we've done it 13 times since 2008. So it's wonderful to be a part of that. We want to see an open door in Thief River Falls in your school. 
and we're going to continue to pray for that. Let's go to the next slide. This is just praying from the corner, way up there, past Halleck, St. Vincent, that whole area, uh, just praying from that marker, which, of course, it says United States on this side, the other side says Canada. So the guy in the back there, he's actually standing in Canada. But we pray from the four corners of Minnesota for every student, as well as every public high school when we, when we ride this tour. Let's go to the next slide. Ah, here you go. Got your smartphones? Pull that out. Put your little photo thing on there. And all you have to do is go up there and just put it on like this, and you can download our app. Here's the reason that we have an app. Right now, it's built mostly for students, but we have also a section there for adults. It's just called prayer, and we can keep you updated almost instantaneously. Again, we're just starting with this, so we're just really beginning to get it to roll, and there's more and more stuff there. A lot of our students are very connected in here now, but it also works as a way for us to connect with you as adults, and you can see what's going on. You can check it out on Facebook. Um, we're on Instagram, too. If you just put Minnesota Youth Alive, that'll happen. If this doesn't work for you with your, with your camera phone, all you have to do is check the app store. And I know some of you are saying, I don't do that stuff. Okay, I get it. But if you do do that stuff, all you have to do is go to your app store and put in M-N-Y-A, four letters. And it'll pop up as our app, and you can download it for free and go from there. It's also, I'm not pushing this, but it's also a way for people who like to give digitally instead of a check. Um, it's a great way to just get on board and be able to, to help us do what we do on a monthly basis, annual basis, one-time basis. It makes it happen. I want to tell you one more story. What do we have for a next slide? Ah, let's go back a slide then. Sorry, I should have a spacer in there. I'm not good at what I do all the time either. I just have to tell you. I'm, I'm a little bit human too. So Pastor Luke and I are in the same boat. Some people say... Why do you do Youth Alive, especially after this many years? And now you're an old guy. Why are you still working with youth? I can't quite explain that, except that I thought, even when I was younger, if school administrators can work to retirement with students, then why can't people who are in ministry work with students until they retire? There was a time in my life when all I wanted to be was a pastor. I wanted to be Pastor Luke. That's what I wanted. And God said, no. He said, I want you to go back and work with students. And I went, Okay, as soon as I did that, doors opened up, opportunities came, and I have never been happier in my life than working with students. And again, I'm not a youth pastor, so I don't work with directly with students on a weekly basis, but God has given me influence over youth pastors and with in favor with youth pastors and students and administrators and teachers around the state of Minnesota that, so that we can reach more students who would never step into a church. Youth Alive is about that too. So why does it work and why am I still doing it? In 2005, we happened to do a Reggie Dabbs outreach. He's one of our school speakers. We did the schools in Grand Rapids, Minnesota, and we did an evening program. It was just like that Roseau thing. There were over 1,000 people that were packed into their gymnasium. In fact, they really couldn't get anybody else in there. It was just full. The entire community had worked together as churches the same way they did in Roseau. And there was a 10th grade girl skinny little running girl, you know, she was a cross-country runner, gave her life to Christ that night. She went to, since she was such a good runner, she got a scholarship to go to Bemidji State University. So she went there and she met a young man. The two of them fell in love and they got married. And now she's my daughter-in-law and the mother of my three grandsons. Now you can go to that next slide. They got married in 2012. Next slide. The three little boys right there. They're a little bit bigger than that, that picture right now, but not much. So it's uh, been an amazing thing because God is faithful. So what if it's your grandson or your son or your daughter or your niece or your nephew who needed to come to Christ and they came to Christ? What if it's your future son-in-law or your future daughter-in-law that comes to Christ? when we're reaching out or when another student is reaching out to a friend. Does that make it worth it? It may or may not happen for you that way. God may do it a totally different way than what he did for me. But still God is moving and there's still someone's kid who needs to know Jesus. 
There are thousands of kids who've never had anyone mention their name before the Father in heaven. That's why prayer zone partners go out. That's why you can pray. That's why you can be part of this. Even if you don't know a student's name, I got a feeling that Pastor Luke could get you a list of names of students. We can find a yearbook somewhere for Thief River Falls or for whatever school you're thinking of, and we can see pictures of kids, and you can begin to pray for kids across this, this community. If you're not from Thief River Falls specifically, you're uh, Red Lake Falls. You're from that school district? We could do the same thing for that. But you can be a part of this, and that's what we really want. It's not just students reaching students. Our overall mission is to connect the church with public schools so that students can come to know Christ before they graduate from high school. That's what we want to do. Hey, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to be here with friends in Thief River Falls at Nexus Church. And Lord, I pray that you would pour out your spirit in this place and that you would be glorified. Holy Spirit, have freedom to move in this place, move in our minds, move in our hearts. And Lord, that you draw us closer to you. Jesus, help us understand what it is you want for each of us individually to do as we go from this place. Lord, I know it's not just about Richard Baker. It's not about the staff that we have. It's not about the, the fun people that come into town and the great speakers and musicians and artists and all that sort of thing. It's not about them. It's about you and you being lifted up. Lord, all the rest of us are simply part of your family and tools in your hand to use for your glory. But Lord, I pray that you use all of us in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I have to tell you, that anticipation grew every day. In fact, I'm kind of coming to that time right now where that in anticipation starts to grow. And we're, we're looking and looking and looking and waiting for the mail. Kind of like today we wait for the Amazon box to show up, right? But waiting for the mail. Why? Finally, running into the room, yelling, It's here! It's here! It's here! The J.C. Penney's catalog is here. The Christmas catalog! Isn't that amazing? It was absolutely... See, I see a couple of you smiling. A couple of you saying, I hated that time. And some of you going, yes, I remember the feeling. I had it in my hand, whether it was two inches thick or one inch thick. It didn't matter. It was filled with toys and all kinds of things that I wanted for Christmas. And we just couldn't wait to rip it open. Well, we didn't rip it because we really wanted to look at it. But to pull it open and begin to circle all the things that we wanted and to dog ear the pages, right? We want to make sure that our parents knew exactly what we wanted under that tree. It was amazing, wasn't it? It was. Now, for me, I had to fight with twin brothers that were just a little bit older than me. That wasn't always fun. But I usually won because I got the catalog before they did. What can I say? Let them fight with each other for what's left over. I had a couple of nephews that were very close to my age. And they were also getting the same catalog at their house. So we'd compare notes to try to make sure we knew what we wanted to get. The only problem is they always seemed to get what was in the catalog. And I did not. I'm not sure how that worked out that way, but it was okay. Here's what I began to find out and what I learned about gifts, that my parents did the very best that they could. Even when I didn't get exactly what I wanted, even if I didn't get as many toys as my nephews did or other people in the neighborhood did, other kids in the neighborhood, I knew that they'd get me what I needed and I knew that they still love me. And what I learned about gifts is that. They're just gifts. Think about it. I'm going to list them for you. You can nod your head if you agree with me. I didn't earn them. Did you earn your Christmas gifts? I don't care what they sing about Santa Claus, that whole coal thing and, you know, be, be good and all that. Don't cry. And all that. That's baloney. You didn't earn those gifts. All right? You don't deserve them. That's most certainly true. If you really look into your heart, you really didn't deserve those gifts, did you? Oh, he's such a nice boy. No, not really. Not really. You didn't choose them. 
You tried. You worked that catalog thing as best you could, but you didn't get to choose them. How many remember you got stuff that you needed? Love getting that underwear. That good, that good stuff there. Good stuff, right? Oh, those socks that you needed, or that shirt that you needed, or even a blouse or a sweater, and they could be even really cool, but there was stuff that you needed. Yeah, that's a good way to give a gift. You still needed it. Other things you got were, were just for fun. That cool new toy or whatever. All right? Sometimes you got exactly what you needed and exactly what you wanted. And that was a blast, wasn't it? Oh, it's just exactly what I was looking for. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, brother, sister, whoever. Sometimes you wished you got what other people got. Yep, I'm thinking about those nephews again. They're really good friends of mine now, so I can talk about them this way. Uh, they always seem to get what they, what they wanted, and they always seem to be things that I wanted to. You know what? Our Heavenly Father, He's perfect. He's perfect in the way that He gives gifts. He created each one of us. He created us uniquely. I'm not the same as you. You're not the same as me. We may have things that are the same. There may be parts of our personalities that, that really are similar, but he still created you uniquely. Whether we talk about our fingerprints, our eyes, right? Uniqueness, the combinations you have. And yet he knows you intimately because he created you uniquely and he gives good gifts, the exact gifts that you need. He gives the gifts that we need to be who we ought to be in his kingdom. He's the one who equips us. He's the one who helps us. Here's what I want you to think about today. Okay? What if you could discover your God-given purpose for being in the kingdom? What's your God-given purpose? And along with that, then, what are the gifts that he wants to pour into you, that he wants to release in you, that he wants to raise up in you? What are the gifts he wants to give you so that you can fulfill that purpose? If that could happen, think about this. What effect would it have on your daily life if you knew what you were here to do and you knew you had all the gifts and the resources you need to do it? What would that do for your daily life? Definitely move you forward. Definitely create some joy, wouldn't it? I'm pretty excited about this. I get to do what God gives me to do today. What would it do in your family? What would it do in this church? What would it do in the Thief River Falls community and area if you simply walked out your purpose using the gifts that God puts in your hands? Not the gifts that other people have, but the gifts that he gave you. You see, it becomes very personal at that point in time, doesn't it? I hate to say it, but it's not about... Angie prayed it this morning. It isn't just about coming to church. It's about being with Jesus because he'll speak to you about what he's put in your hands to use. He's the one who gives you a sense of purpose in your life. When you have a relationship with him, he helps you go forward with everything that you need. I'm going to... You have Bibles there. You can, you can look in those if you want to. I'm going to go to uh, Second or 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Or you can watch it on the screen because he's going to roll through the scriptures with me. I'm using the New Living Translation, which is a little bit different than what you have there. But in essence, we're going to be talking about the exact same thing with maybe just a few word changes. And that is God has given us a plan through the Apostle Paul how we can discover this purpose, but also the gifts that he's giving you. Sometimes the gifts that you discover are the things that help you discover your purpose also. Sometimes your purpose help you discover your gifts. I think they go together. And God wants to use you in a very unique way. He doesn't want you to be Richard Baker. He doesn't want you to run youth alive. He doesn't want you to connect with schools like I have to connect with schools but he's put you in a very unique place wherever you work, wherever you live. He's put you in the right neighborhood. He's put you in the right school. He's put you at the right job so that you can know him and he can use you so others can know him. Let's start with 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. It goes like this. 
When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so that you would not trust in human wisdom, but in the very power of God. Now, this is comforting for every one of us. Every one of us. Because Paul, who we've pretty much exalted because of how much he's written about what happened in the New Testament church and how much God used him in miraculous, wildly miraculous ways that most of us have not experienced, he still comes back to this. It wasn't by my strength. It wasn't by my power. Even though I was a Pharisee of Pharisees, I knew the scriptures inside and out. It still came down to my relationship with Jesus Christ and the power of His Spirit inside of me, using me, just as a vessel, to speak very plainly to you so that you would come to know Jesus Christ. It wasn't about Greek philosophy, and it wasn't about those orators who could speak really well with marbles and stones in their mouths. That's how they practiced. It wasn't about that. It wasn't about these great stories that they could tell or this great oratory he said no it was by the power of the Holy Spirit I just simply came and spoke to you plainly I kind of like plain talk don't you not everybody does but he's saying it's the power of the Holy Spirit not my own skills let's go to the next verse verse 6 yet when I am among mature believers I do speak with words of wisdom but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. Do you get that? He says, I do come in and I do speak maturely and I do speak with depth of scripture. I do speak with some knowledge and understanding to believers who are mature, but even that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. Even that is not my own wisdom. It's not something I'm making up. It's very much the word of God spoken to me to you. Now, we as preachers in the modern day, we use the scriptures that he wrote. Why? Because it's been very much discerned that they are the words of God to us and they work today as they did in the first century. God wants to speak to us. And he speaks through his word. And sometimes he uses guys like me who just bring it to you. And let the wisdom of God speak to your heart and to your heart and to your mind and to move you. He taught with wisdom, but not his own. And it definitely wasn't from the world point of view. There's a lot of things that are going on in the world that are not biblical. That's always been true, but it seems like that culture clash is coming right now and it's coming to a head. And there's probably some things that we believe, culturally, and even as American Christians, that we may have to change. Because we're wrong. We haven't discovered all those things yet. But as we walk with the Lord, He can give us wisdom on how we're supposed to live so that we can love and care for people, no matter what race they are. Right? No matter what color they are no matter what their background, that they can come to know Jesus and He and the power of His Spirit will change lives. Verse 7, that one was extra, sorry. No, the wisdom that we speak of is, is uh, I have to start over again. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. It's His plan that was previously hidden even though He made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. The rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified the glorious Lord. Do you realize what he's saying? He's saying the mystery of salvation, this whole plan of the gospel, this good news, really was hidden. It was hidden from the principalities and the powers of the air, the the people, the spiritual realm that we don't see. He's saying it was hidden from them. Because God the Father had a perfect plan. And he knew what his fallen angels were trying to do. But he knew that his son had to die. 
He had to die on a cross. He had to die for us because he was the only one who was perfect, the only one who could. And he was willing to sacrifice his son to pay the price for everyone's sin so that anyone who would put their faith in Jesus Christ would have a right relationship with him, the Father. But if the principalities knew what was going on, they never would have allowed Jesus to be crucified. The chief priests, the rulers, the synagogue people, the priests in the physical realm, they never would have let it happen either if they'd found out that it was going to change everything. But that's the physical side. The spiritual side behind it is what manipulates everything in front of it. And he wanted to avoid that, and he did. He kept it hidden from them so that we could have the greatest gift that's ever been given. The greatest gift you will ever experience, the greatest gift that any of your friends will ever experience, the greatest gift that any human will ever experience on the face of this earth is salvation through Jesus Christ by simply putting your faith in him and trusting him that he's alive, that he died for me, and that I can live with him forever. Forever. I can put my faith in him. I just want to share that with you this morning. I know there's some people online. There may be someone in this room. There may be someone in this room that, and you described them earlier in your prayer. You've been going to church all your life, but you haven't really put your faith in Jesus Christ. And that's really what we want to talk about this morning. That first and greatest gift is, do you know him? Have you looked at your past and said, you know what? I can't deal with that. I can't continue to live the way I am. I need Jesus to forgive me of that past. That's what we call repentance, the turning away from that. I don't want to live like this anymore. I want to live with him. I want to experience the joy and the peace. Then that takes simple faith. Jesus, I believe that you died on that cross, but you died on that cross not for everybody else. You died there for me. You died for my past and everything that I had done wrong. You died so that I have a new life and new hope from this point on. You died because even though I'm not perfect, even now as I'm praying this prayer, you'll help me to live the way that I ought to live because now you've given me hope and now I can go forward. If that's something that you want, we're just going to bow our heads in this room and if you're online, go ahead. You can bow your head in your living room, your dining room, your bedroom, wherever you're watching. Hopefully not on the steering wheel of your car. That would be a little bit more difficult. Please pull over. But we can pray together. Everyone in this room, just pray out loud with me. Dear Jesus, I'm reaching out to you. You've seen all of my past, all the sin, all the wrong choices, and even the right choices for the wrong reasons. Forgive me for that past. Wipe it away. I give it to you. I ask that you give me a new life. That you clean the slate. And that you help me to live from this point forward. As I trust in you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising again. I believe that you're alive. And that you now are in me. Help me to live for you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and cause me to be what you want me to be. For your glory and your honor, Jesus. Amen. Yes. I love it when people come to Christ. It's the most exciting thing that happens to me. It's the thing that still makes me cry whenever I see students responding whether it's an altar call or one-on-one with another student or another person. It's amazing to see that happen. But when we come to faith, what it does, it really opens doors. Jump down here to verse 9. It says, and this is what Scripture means when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. That greatest gift simply opens the door to more gifts 
of what God wants to put into your life as a believer. He wants to move in you. He wants to fill you with his spirit. He wants to give you gifts that will cause your life to be exciting, fulfilling, but not easy. Being a Christian is not easy. If you're truly a Christian, you can't just sit around and do nothing. He has filled you with himself, his very spirit, and he's pouring gifts, offering gifts to you that he wants you to use. So let's let him do that. How are we going to do that? Verses 10 and 11 simply says this, but it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except the person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. Think about it. God's spirit knows every thought that God has. So he totally understands God the Father and Jesus Christ. He knows because he's one with them. But the other side of it is the Holy Spirit knows us. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our strengths. He knows what God, how God's created us. He knows us intimately. Therefore, he knows what matches up, what God's called us to do, and the things that we need to do it. The Holy Spirit is here to show us that. <laughs> the key verse to the day. All that comes down to this one verse, and this is what I really want you to get today, and that's verse 12. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. Because there is two different things. There is a world spirit and it doesn't bring much joy. We've received God's spirit so that we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. Let me give you a really fast list. Hey, 1 Corinthians 12, a little bit later in the same book. Wisdom, knowledge, great faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretations of tongues. If you go to Ephesians 4, again, Paul saying, hey, there are office gifts. There are people who operate in a certain area called apostles. There are some that are prophets. There are some that are evangelists. Some are pastors and teachers. But then, even if you go a little bit further in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, he says there are some that are helpers. There are some that have leadership. Some that have administration. Some are encouragers. Some have the gift of mercy. And that isn't the end of the list. Have you realized that some people have the gift of kindness? That they are willing to smile at people that they disagree with? That there are people who can be kind to people who are not kind back? Because they have a gift in that. Now, there are oodles of other gifts, and they may have a whole bag full of gifts. But discovering the gifts is what's really important. Here's what I think has happened in our world is that we've bought into some lies. Some are lies that really affect people who are outside the church and some are lies that really affect people in the church. Let me give you a few of them. I can do this myself. That one really works well. There are some self-made men but not and women, but maybe not. If you talk to some people who are really successful, they'll say it's been other people who've helped us get where we're at. We've never done it on our own. The ones that are really honest. So you can't do it yourself. Definitely can't do salvation yourself and you can't do what I'm talking about this morning on yourself. I'm not good enough. That's one that gets all of us. Well, I'm not really good enough. My past disqualifies me. There is no disqualification from the past. Ask the guy who's killed somebody and now pastoring a church. Is that immense grace or what? Look at Paul himself persecuting the church. We don't have a list of how many people died because of what he did. He is a part of the... He's complicit. That would be the legal term in someone dying. God doesn't really love me. No one can really love me. If he knew what I did, he could never change me. He'd never accept me. Okay, that's all just pure lies because you can't do anything 
to make God love you more, there's also nothing you can do to make him love you less. He loves you whether you put your faith in him or not. But putting your faith in him makes the difference. God just wants to control me. Now that I've heard before from people who aren't in the church. God just wants to control me. No, God has a plan. And that plan will help you live a life that's actually filled with joy and a whole lot less stress. Even believers think of these hindrances. I don't have any gifts. I love when people say, I love when kids say that to me, teenagers. It's really fun. (laughs) It's not true. All of you have gifts in this room. We just don't have the same ones. The problem is that sometimes the only gifts that we recognize when we're in the church are the ones that you see up here. See, Richard Baker may be speaking now, whether that's good or bad, in your mindset, like, let's never let that guy come back to our pulpit again. That could happen. That could really happen. Some of you are kind of going, where, where did Pastor Luke get this idiot? But that doesn't mean that you are supposed to be doing this. It doesn't mean that you have to play an instrument or that you have to be able to sing. That's what people see. But there are gifts that people don't see and may never see. It may only be the Father who sees the things that you do. That and the people who are affected by your life. Because all of us will affect people around us by how we live for Jesus Christ and how we use the gifts that he's given us. Okay. They're all lies. As a believer... God is the one who is your identity and has given you the identity in him in Jesus Christ. He's the one who has the power. He's the one who's giving the power to you. He is the one who has wonderful things or gifts that he wants to give to you. And that's what I want us to do this morning, to know your gifts, to understand your gifts, and to use your gifts as you walk with Jesus on a daily basis. I have to tell you that I had a reminder about four years ago where the Lord said to me, you are a pastor. And I went, no, I'm not. I don't have a church. I don't have a congregation. That's not what I do. He said, you may not have a church or you have a congregation, but I've continually put groups of people with you. Your teams that are out on the road, your musicians, your speakers, even your speakers who are already pretty astute in the whole speaking realm and the Bible realm and all that sort of thing. He said, I've put them under your care. I've called you to pastor them every day that you're out on the road. I've called you to pastor the team that I brought alongside you. I've called you to pastor small groups of men that I've pulled alongside you. I've called you to pastor those prayer zone partners who ride with you. Does that mean I have pastoral responsibility them every moment of their life, like if I was their pastor in a church? No. I'm supposed to pastor them when I have them. That's my job. My job this morning is to pastor you for about an hour so that God can move in you and make you more of what he wants you to be. You'll be more like Jesus and you'll have more power and more effect when you go from this place. Not because Richard Baker spoke to you, it's because I just simply used the gift that he's called me to use. That's all. That's it. That's all that I'm doing. I'm just being obedient. And that's all the Lord is asking you to do. So I want you to go back to that verse right now. I want you to take... How how many of you have a smartphone? I mean, I tried to get you to pull it out before. How many have a dumb phone? All right, pull out your smartphone. If you have an Apple or an iPhone, what do you have to do? You have to go to Notes. It's usually on your homepage, right? Pull that up. Those of you who don't know where that is, just have the teenagers here. They'll show you. If you have an Android, what do they call it there? They call it something different. Who has an Android? Okay, if you don't have a phone that you can write on, then pull a piece of paper because there's notepads right in the middle of every table. Now everybody's covered. They even have pens and pencils there. Pull them out. You're going to have to, everybody's going to need one. Everybody's going to need one. See, I'm not letting anybody get out of the room without this. So you can say I'm just being mean. Or you can just say, this is probably going to be effective. Because the Holy Spirit's going to use this for you. Remember, this is not for Richard Baker. I don't score any points. I don't win. Other than I get to be part of the kingdom. 
and the body of Christ, which is you. And I get to see you succeed. That's going to be fun. Okay, here's what it is. Let's go back. The verse says, no, I'm the one who's got to spin it around here. We have received God's spirit. Everybody in this room who has faith in Jesus Christ has an infilling of the spirit. We want you to be baptized in the spirit, immersed in the spirit. Yes, we want that. But you have the spirit who's convicted you of sin and righteousness and judgment. Since you have God's spirit in you, now you can know the wonderful things or the wonderful gifts that God has freely given you. So here's the question. What gift or gifts has God given you that you need to use this week? You're asking the Lord, not me. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask that same question, but I want you to ask that question. I want you simply to write it down. What gift has God given you that he wants you to use this week? Got it? Here we go. Father, I know that you are good and that you are faithful. That's why you sent your son. You proved your faithfulness. You proved your love. You proved your compassion, your care for each one of us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So Lord, by the power of your spirit, I pray that you would speak to us. Lord, that you would reveal in our mind and in our hearts what it is that you would have us to do this week, the gift that you've already poured into us that you would want us to use. I pray, Lord, that you would glorify yourself through whatever gift that is and that you would be honored and that your kingdom would be expanded. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you write it down? Write it down. Something's going to have popped in your head. It could be one word. It could be kindness. It could be have a, a neighbor whose name popped into your mind, but also an action that you're supposed to take with that person. Does that make sense? Write it down. You know the reason I'm having you write it down? Because so many times we go to church, we hear something from God, and we go away, and we forget it. And the Lord doesn't want that to happen this morning. He wants you to walk away with something you're going to implement this week. There's going to be a person... There's going to be an action, or there's going to be a thought, kindness, mercy. Some of you may even have a prophetic word or some thought that God has for a friend. I'm going to have pastor come up and close in prayer, but here's the next instruction. We really want you to do whatever it is that God gave you to do on that. The next action step is to do it and to talk to Pastor Luke about what you did by next week. Now you see what that does? It moves it from hypothetical and going, amen, that's really exciting, that was great, thanks for telling us that, to, okay, here's where the rubber meets the road. Can I tell you one more story, Pastor Luke? Can I say just one more story? Let me show you how the rubber meets the road for me. There's a person that I've been praying for for years. I mean, like decades. And one morning as I'm just praying, I journaled a little bit, and all of a sudden it was like, yeah, you've been praying. It's, it's a couple, but it's really the wife of the couple that I've been praying for specifically as well as the husband. And... He said, you need to contact them and go visit them and share with them that, that they have a wrong idea of the gospel, which is most of America. If the good you do outweighs the bad, then, then you go to heaven, right? The works mentality. That's what they've been thinking, and that's why they don't have a relationship with me. They figure they're doing enough good stuff that it's all okay, but you need to meet with them and share with them that that's wrong that it's based on a relationship with me and my grace. And I went, really, Lord? You're like, I've been praying for them for a long time. Yeah, now it's time to go talk about it. Talk to them directly. I did it. I didn't want to. I was traveling over the weekend, so it's easy to preach up here. Now I have to go sit with someone face to face, right? 
We all know what that feels like from time to time, right? And to sit there. But I went, okay, I'll do it, Lord, but I got to be gone all weekend. Yeah, that's okay. But you're driving by their house on Monday when you come back. How's that for specific? Okay. So I was driving on Monday. It's about 8 o'clock at night. And I just called them up. Maybe secretly thinking that they're not going to be home. <laughs> Call them up. She answers the phone. I said, hey, can I stop by and just visit you guys for a few minutes? Sure, we'd love to have you. I said, just a warning, I'm not coming to raise money. I'm not asking for money. Oh, don't worry about it. She said, come on over. Great. I'm about 15 minutes away. Sure. Drove over there. Able to sit with them. The Lord gave me a couple of very specific instructions. First of all, I want you to talk about some of the things that they did for you that they didn't have to do about 25 years ago. They helped you and Kim, my wife, a lot. I want you to tell them thank you for that. And then I gave me just one thing that was in my mind that might have been a little confusion on their part that may have created a little animosity. It didn't, which thankfully it didn't, but he said, I want you to actually bring that back up and I want you to ask for forgiveness if you hurt their feelings. Okay? Did that. Then I want you to share with them that the gospel is different than what they believe. I'm not asking you to have her to pray. It's very specific from the Lord. What I want you to do is there are three books that I want you to get. I want you to order them and I want you to give them to her as a gift. Okay? The Case for Christ was one of them can't remember the other two right offhand. Sorry. I wasn't planning. But I sent them to her. The next Christmas, I got her a Bible. I said, because I just kept sending her scripture verses, and I thought, you know what? She needs to get a Bible in a modern version that she understands. That's all I've done. Has she come to Christ yet? No. Not that, not that I know of. Not, not the way we prayed this morning. Not yet. But God is using it. And I'm just simply saying to you, as God uses the gifts in you, you may have one of those times that you sit down and someone just says, yes, I'm ready to receive Jesus. And you may have someone that you've known for a long, long time and it's still going to take some more time as you walk through. Whether it's like Maddie, who took three years before we even realized what was going on. Or is it going to take 30? I don't know. But if we are obedient and we use the gifts that God's given us, He's the one who makes the changes. The Holy Spirit is the one that moves, not us. Just like he did for Paul. Pastor, come and close us in a word of prayer. Yes, if the worship team could come up, we will close in the time of, of worship. And uh, I encourage you as... We have this time to process and sing this song. How you keep praying about what it is God's working on your heart. Maybe he speaks something totally different than what uh, Pastor Richard asked you to write down. Uh, just be obedient to whatever the Holy Spirit is putting on your heart right now to, uh, uh, to act upon. You can hear a great message, but we need to act upon. So if you could stand and uh, spend this time focusing on the Holy Spirit. Father, I, I thank you for this, this great word. There's a lot covered, and uh, we're so thankful that, that Richard would come all the way from southern Minnesota to share with us today. Father, I know uh, this was a sacrifice on his part, and uh, we're very honored that he would come. And, and Father, as we plan out what this looks like in Thiefer Falls in, in our school, um, Father, this is no doubt that you have set us up for this time to do this work today. In this year, Father, uh, after the last year we've had with, with school being all over the place, uh, Father, you're, you're setting us up for a great move of your Holy Spirit because there's nothing that can fill that hole that's inside of us, that longing to know Jesus. And we may not understand it. We may not be able to put it into words, but God, it is there. And I pray, Father, as we come together and, and we as a community find ways to get into the school and to make a difference there, Father. I pray for wisdom. I pray for strength. I pray for the courage to do maybe something we've never done before. And so we give this to you. Uh, we thank you for Richard. We pray for safe travels, Father, as he goes home. 
And uh, we thank you for his family. Pray your hand over them, protection over them. And Father, as we enjoy this time together, a fellowship and, and enjoying some food, Father, I pray your blessing over it as well in Jesus' name. Redeemed by the mercy. 
mercy of God was the cross meant for me and my Savior carried. Now I've been made free by the mercy of God was the grave meant for me where my sin lay buried. Now I stand redeemed by the mercy of God. Now I'm alive to tell the story how I've overcome this is goodness and mercy and the power of the blood. I'm so glad that my freedom wasn't based on what I've done. It's the goodness and mercy and the power of love. It's His goodness and mercy and the power of His blood. It's His goodness and 